Good morning. In her memoir, Traveling Mercies, Anne Lamott tells the story of a seven-year-old little girl who got lost one day, frightened. She ran up and down the streets for looking for landmarks that would help her to find her way home. Eventually, a police officer stopped to help her. They drove around town for a while when all of a sudden they came upon the little girl's church. The little girl looked to the policeman and told him, you can let me out now. This is my church, and I can always find my way home from there. Lamont continues, and this is why I have stayed so close to mine. Because no matter how bad I am feeling, how lost or lonely or frightened, when I see the faces of the people of my church and hear their tawny voices, I can always find my way home. It has been a difficult two days since receiving the news of the death of James Lee. For those of you who are new to Covenant or visiting this day, Reverend James Lee was the pastor of New Covenant Fellowship here in Austin, a church that was birthed from this particular congregation over a decade ago. Prior to being at NCF, James was an associate pastor here on staff for many years. He has continued to enjoy deep and meaningful friendships with many in this congregation through the years. And because of this, I am aware that some of you have lost a pastor. I have lost a pastor too. So brothers and sisters, we gather together this day and we affirm with tears and with joy the hope of the Christian gospel that God is with us and we affirm God's power over death and the belief in the resurrection to life everlasting, believing that our dear friend and brother James Lee, this one who made an amazing impact throughout the United States and around the world, that he is now at home with the Lord who he has loved and trusted his whole life long. But we sure will miss him. It is good to be home. Our brief scripture reading this morning, it's just one verse. This passage is about relationship and investment. Those of you who participate in Lamplighters and Men in the Word, you just spent quite a bit of time in the book of Romans. Romans is the Apostle Paul's masterpiece. It offers a breathtaking and spiritual vision. Often, Paul writes letters in follow-up to a visit. Here, this particular letter is written in preparation. Paul has promised to go to Rome on his way to Spain where he will start a new mission, but he keeps getting delayed. And because of this, he sends a letter with some instruction and encouragement to that church that's already been established in Rome. And you will find in the letter to the Romans at the very end, chapter 16, a long list of people that Paul singles out, dozens of them, people who have been instrumental in his life. 
Outside of most of them being named in that particular list, we know very little about them outside of the very small amount Paul says in Romans 16. Nowhere else in Paul's writings do we find such an extensive, lengthy list of personal greetings. I commend this whole chapter to you, especially the first 16 verses of chapter 16 later, but now in the context of worship, I'd like to read just this one verse. Paul writes, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and greet his mother, a mother to me also. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Oh, Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, may it all be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. God, speak to us words of life and love for the sake of your world, we pray. Amen. This past January, I had the the wonderful experience of traveling with an entourage of eight people from this particular church family in order to go to Fort Collins, Colorado to celebrate and to mark the retirement of Paul Parsons from Called Parish Ministry. Paul was our wonderfully gifted interim senior pastor who served here from 2011 until August of 2013, the weekend's worship was called a shepherd's benediction. I had the joy of participating in that worship service. People gathered from many states, from Missouri and uh, Texas, North Carolina, Colorado, Maryland, representing five of the seven congregations Paul served, his childhood, his mentors, his covenant group the seminary that he was a part of, and his family. It was a very rich weekend. The out-of-town guests were invited to a dinner on Saturday night. Following the dinner, Paul gathered us up and did a remarkable, thoughtful thing, which those of you who have a friendship with Paul will not be surprised by. Paul thanked us for coming to see him off into the wilds of retirement, And he presented each one of us the the very same book. The pages contain quotations collected by Paul throughout the years which have helped him to navigate the wilderness that is called modern life where it is easy to lose your bearings, let alone the path. The book is titled Cairns. Paul writes, when I moved to the American West in 1975, I soon experienced the relief of happening upon a stack of stones commonly drawing its name from the Scottish Gaelic word cairn. Such human-made piles mark one's way in wilderness settings where getting lost can be an inconvenience or a life-threatening crisis. On countless occasions, cairns have been for me a source of comfort and safety coming exactly when I needed them, helping me find my way home. This book, it's a great little book of of a compilation of quotations to help to show the way and to mark the path, but the way Paul gave the book to us was the most memorable part of the night for me. For Paul introduced each one of us one by one and said a few precious words about the journey that he shared with each one of us. He shared words about the relationship that connected us, 
We left that night no longer strangers, but friends. This is similar to what the Apostle Paul does in his letter to the church in Rome with all of those greetings at the end of chapter 16. The Apostle Paul acknowledges the multitude of persons who have labored with him in ministry. These are people Paul treasured. He understands one person cannot do it all alone. The Apostle Paul shows us what it means to be a community of faith and for God to bring us into fellowship with each other. In verse 13, Paul greets Rufus and a woman Paul called Mother. We can only speculate as to where Paul encountered this family. It might have been during the three years that he spent in Jerusalem or perhaps during the year he spent in Antioch with Barnabas. Rufus was a very common name at the time. However, it is widely believed that this is the same Rufus who was the son of Simon of Cyrene, who we learn about in Mark's Gospel, chapter 15, the one who was compelled by the Roman soldiers to carry the cross of Christ when Jesus could no longer bear the weight of the cross, the belief that Rufus is the son of that Simon. Rufus's unnamed mother was like a mother to Paul. She had an abiding concern for Paul. Paul probably stayed in their home. She was the kind of woman who could say to Paul, sit down and eat your breakfast. I don't care if you are a big deal apostle. You need something to eat. She had a great impact on the apostle Paul, and Paul easily expresses his thanks. This list of friends contains a variety of people. That's an important thing for us to see if you look over that list now or later. Some are Jewish, others are not. Most of them are not. There are Greek, Roman, and Jewish names. You'll find in that list men and women, some who are older, others who are younger, slave and free. Some are married, others not. Some are relatives, others are not related, all working together for Christ. Paul understands that everyone needs others. We are meant to live life together. Depending upon one another and depending upon Christ, encouraging one another and taking care of one another in mission and in journey together. Paul invests in and sustains a significant number of relationships, a diverse network of people, all held together by a central strand resolutely attached to Jesus Christ. Five friends and I have been reading a book together called Dissident Discipleship. Dissident Discipleship by David Augsburger, who is a theologian and a professor of pastoral care and counseling. Augsburger has a chapter in that book about community, and in that chapter he notes that the quality of community that surrounds a person is the most significant factor in wholeness and well-being. Let me say that again. The quality of community that surrounds a person is the most significant factor in wholeness and well-being. Positive community invites growth to balance personhood. Negative community meets only basic survival needs. 
Community is the natural setting for healing, and in positive community, persons are sustained and guided, sometimes corrected, always accepted and prized. In negative community, injured persons may be bypassed. Oppressed persons often become invisible. Augsburger goes on to say that we help others to grow by inviting them to create healthier systems and by maintaining good balance with them in their own systems. The larger and the richer our community, the larger and richer is the content of the self which enables us and others to flourish. Friends, we need signposts and we need markers to help us to stay on the road and we sure need positive community and all of us we need encouragers in our lives and for many of us for some of us a key person who has done that for us is our mom there is not a day that goes by that I don't give thanks for my mom my sister Judy and I realized that having a mother like our mom was the greatest gift and the biggest advantage that anyone could ever have given to us. It is in large part because of the example and values my mom instilled in us that makes us who we are today. But not everyone can honestly say that is their experience. I am aware that this day is painful for many for a whole host of reasons, including grieving the loss of your mom and grieving the mom you never had. I'm aware of a boy who grew up in an orphanage beginning at the age of two. Without anyone to encourage good study habits and invest in him personally, he grew to become a solid C student, majoring and excelling in sports. When he was 18, he began to wonder about his future because he became cognizant of the fact that when he turned 18, he would be considered an adult by the children's home and he would no longer be able to live at the children's home. At that time, he was the very first person to, to march toward the age of 18. So he was very much in unchartered territory, beginning to wonder about his future with zero goals or plans. When all of the sudden, a remarkable thing happened. A young seminary student studying theology at Louisville Seminary began to spend time at the orphanage believing that Christian faith is to be embodied and that love indeed is in action. He befriended the orphan and began to encourage him to consider going to college, making phone calls on his behalf, lending a hand with the college application, securing for him an academic mentor, helping him to make a way where there seemed to be no way that Kentucky orphan is my dad. In my family, we will forever be grateful. For the rest of my life, I will be grateful to a man named Jim Kennedy, who by his investment forever changed the trajectory of my dad's life and all who come after him. To this day, my dad still will say that he does not know 
where he would be without Jim's support and help. Friends, who made you the person you are today? Who are the people who have helped you? The ones who built your confidence and hope? Who are the ones who, if it weren't for them, you would have never made it? This is the time to thank them. We have been reminded this week that life is short and life is fleeting and we never know what tomorrow will bring. Today is the perfect day to thank those, to express gratitude to those who have helped us along the way. We will never be able to repay them, but we sure can pay it forward by doing new good deeds for another with an ever-widening circle of love developing. How might God want to use who you uniquely are to be a part of the formation of another? What are the parts of God's story freely offered to you that you can freely offer to others? And with the awareness that the quality of community that surrounds a person is the most significant factor in wholeness and well-being, I wonder, is there room in your life for one more? Because some in our world are at risk. Consider, if you will, sponsoring a child in a another country through World Vision, become a mentor or a tutor for a student at Webb Middle School, foster or adopt a child and welcome welcome them into your hearts and into your home. Maybe encouraging one of your kids' friends who might need additional parental support at this time in their lives, visiting someone who due to natural aging losses is becoming too isolated from their community, there are a million ways to do this. I'd like to share with you a story that I've shared with some of you before involving my nephew, Timmy. I have a picture in my office with Timmy and I together at Disney. We are riding Splash Mountain. And this is a picture that involves comfort and security. So here's the scenario. Timmy and I, we are on the the very front row of the boat. The ride has begun. For those of you who have been to Splash Mountain, this is just that very easy kind of cozy ride at the beginning. We're meandering along when all of the sudden my nephew, nine years old at the time, kind of small, loves to ride rides, he looks down and notices that there is no lap belt and he declares that he is going to die. <laughs> now, the ride has started. There is no getting off this ride. So, Aunt Jill, I now have, try to have a rational conversation with my nephew. I explained to Timmy that that big drop, and by the way, those distant screams are getting louder and closer. So, this is very much feeding into what's going on. So, I explained to Timmy that that distant drop at the very end of the ride, that surely it must be gradual. It cannot be that steep. Otherwise, we would have seatbelts. I highlight that Disney tends to do things with excellence. I mention that things are going to work out. I know that if people really were dying, I think they would close the ride. 
Timmy is not soothed by any of this. So as we make that incline to the final drop of death, my nine-year-old nephew looks at me with fear in his face, a look I had never seen before and a look I have not seen since, and without asking, grabs my leg closest to him pulls it over both of his legs and holds on tight, <laughs> temporarily rearranging my hip socket. But more importantly for Timmy, turning me into a human seatbelt because he needed something tangible to hold on to, which is what we always, all of us need in an anxious time, isn't it? Something or someone tangible to hold on to in the wild and unpredictable ride of life. Many of us have people who have done that for us time and time again, allowing us to hold on to them not only during anxious times, but in times of rest and play as we've traveled together side by side. But Covenant Church, these people, these are not the ones that we are ultimately to cling to. The call for us is to cling to the Lord Jesus Christ, who alone is the Lord of the universe and the hope of this world. Our moms, our mentors, our grandparents, those incredible teachers and coaches and tutors, our neighbors, choir directors, Sunday school teachers, those people who have shaped us and believed in us, they have just been gift, sheer gift. They are not ours to possess. They belong to God. And some of them, they have finished their race. And they are now a part of that great cloud of witnesses of which James Lee is now a part. And they are urging us forward, cheering us on. For it is our time to be faithful and to invest in others to help them to grow. So covenant with gratitude for community, with gratitude for the people in our lives. May we step into the future with faith, knowing that God is with us both today and forevermore, and may we step into the future with expectation for all that God will do. May the spirit of the living God empower us and strengthen us to love with abandon. And may we all give thanks to God and to each other for companions along the way as we journey together with courage, as we journey together with faith, until we too are completely and truly home. Would you pray with me? Maker of heaven and earth, our God in who we trust, we worship and adore you. God, we thank you for your watchful care for us during, on this journey of life. Lord, how grateful we are that we do not travel alone, that you, oh God, are with us. There is absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you for that. We thank you, too, for other travel companions who journey beside us and encourage us along the way. Lord, we pray that you would show us who you want us to invest in. 
Enlarge the borders of our hearts and give us a greater capacity to love others extravagantly. We pray together in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.